Invertebrates, comprising a majority of the known species on many worlds, are a diverse group of organisms that lack a backbone or vertebral column. From tiny single-celled organisms to complex, sophisticated creatures, invertebrates occupy nearly every biological ecosystem in the galaxy. Here, we will explore the fascinating world of these creatures, shedding light on their biology, physiology, culture, and remarkable adaptations. They also exhibit an astonishing diversity of forms, encompassing a wide range of animal classes. They include insects, spiders, crustaceans, mollusks, worms, and many others. The insect class alone contains an infinite number of species. They have successfully colonized diverse habitats, from the depths of the ocean to the highest mountaintops, from arid deserts to humid rainforests. Invertebrates have evolved an incredible array of adaptations that allow them to thrive in their respective environments. They display various body structures, such as segmented bodies, exoskeletons, and soft body forms. These adaptations provide advantages, such as protection, efficient locomotion, and specialized sensory organs. For example, insects possess jointed legs and wings, enabling them to navigate and exploit different ecological niches. Mollusks have a muscular foot and protective shell, while spiders, like the Gintho of Utapau, have specialized silk-producing glands used for web construction and prey capture. Their physiology encompasses a wide range of life processes. Circulation and respiration mechanisms vary among different groups. While some invertebrates have an open circulatory system, others' uh, blood directly bathes the organs, while still others possess a closed circulatory system with a heart-like structure. Respiration occurs through various means, including gills, tracheae, and diffusion across the body surface. Invertebrates exhibit diverse feeding strategies, including filter feeding, predation, herbivore, and parasitism, depending on their ecological roles and niches. Invertebrates employ a myriad of reproductive strategies and life cycles. Sexual reproduction is widespread, with many species showcasing elaborate courtship rituals and mating behaviors. Some invertebrates have complex social structures and even hive minds, such as killicks, or individuals specialized for different tasks. The life cycle can evolve, involve metamorphosis, where individuals undergo distinct stages of development, such as larva, pupa, and adult forms. This metamorphosis enables them to exploit different resources and habitats during different life stages. Invertebrate species play vital roles in maintaining ecological balance and functioning. They act as pollinators for flowers, facilitating the reproduction and diversity of plant species. They also serve as decomposers, breaking down organic matter 
and recycling nutrients, contributing to nutrient cycles in the ecosystem. Additionally, they serve as a crucial food source for numerous other animals, supporting higher trophic levels in food webs. In coral reefs, tiny invertebrates called polyps build and maintain the reef structure, providing habitat for a diverse range of marine life. This entire class of species represents a remarkable and diverse group of animals that have conquered nearly every corner of the galaxy. Their unique biology, physiology, and adaptations showcase complexity and ingenuity. For our purposes here, however, we will be focusing primarily on the sentient variety of invertebrates and the imprint they have left on the wider culture, economics, and history of the galaxy. You are listening to the Star Lores Podcast. Perhaps one of the most consequential invertebrates in the Star Wars universe are midichlorians. This species is a microscopic organism that resides within the cells of living beings and plays a crucial role in understanding and harnessing the Force. Their presence and abundance within an individual determines their connection to the Force or lack thereof. Jedi and Sith measure them through a blood test known as a midichlorian count which indicates a being's potential for force sensitivity. The species themselves can actually be classified as sentient due to their collective consciousness. They exist in all living beings, including plants, insects, and other microorganisms, bringing the energy of the force to the entire galaxy. Unlike most other species, it would be impossible to eradicate midichlorians without completely eradicating life itself in every corner of the galaxy. A typical human will carry roughly 2,500 metachlorians per cell, with 2,000 per cell considered to be on the low side, and 15,000 per cell thought to be being with an exceptional, unusual connection to the Force. Anakin Skywalker's blood test revealed him to have over 20,000 metachlorians per cell, exceeding even that of Master Yoda. A controversial understanding of these tiny beings is that even if you lost body parts or were a much smaller creature by mass, it did not necessarily mean you were less powerful in the Force, begging the question if Metachlorian count is even relevant to one's Force connection in the first place. Though many Jedi and Sith have studied the topic for millennia, many of the aspects of this species still remain inconclusive. It is even unclear how they evolved or where they originated from. During the Clone Wars, Yoda encountered a clandestine order of immortal women called the Five Priestesses on an unknown and unnamed planet somewhere in the galaxy's core 
that claimed the Metachlorians had evolved there. They offered no explanations as to how the species emerged or how it was able to spread throughout space. No one has yet been able to prove or corroborate the claims of the five priestesses. Still more questions remain about these mysterious microscopic beings, not the least of which is, can life survive without them? Or are they capable of surviving without living hosts? The Salvax. Hailing from the mid-rib planet of Lerator, the Salvax are an amphibious species who occupy both the plains and the oceans of their home world. They belong to the crustacean subphylum, crawl on six-pointed legs, and have two large pincers which they use to hold as weapons and tools. Opening the pincers wide would reveal three hidden fingers in each arm, giving them more tactile abilities to make tools and structures. The species tended to be red and blue in color, though this was not always the case, as they did occasionally come in a variety of colors, like a sandy yellow hue. They were covered around their torsos in a hard, shell-like carapace, which acted as armor and could even protect them from blaster fire. The Salvax were close to the average height of a human male, but much larger in weight and mass. They were also incredibly strong and could carry multiple times their own body weight, making them formidable melee foes. Their diets consist primarily of algae, fish, urchins, and even other smaller, non-sentient crustaceans. Though they had developed a complex society in their own right, with language, religion, and even a legal system, the Salvax were very primitive compared to other spacefaring species. They lived primarily in huts on the shores of pools near oceans, wielding only stone tools. They even referred to themselves as the, quote, Kuvan, as the name Salvax was assigned to them by other neighboring cultures. Though the species was physically menacing to many outsiders, they were in fact very diplomatic and an even reasonable society. Preferring to negotiate or invite those with whom they had a dispute to a ritual feast in order to settle said disputes. This did not make them pacifists, to be clear, as they were capable of inflicting great physical harm should the situation present itself. The crustaceans had a complex language, and many were even able to become fluent in Galactic Basic. Unlike many non-advanced civilizations, they had almost no fear of technology, and were even able to learn how to use Republic devices. In their deep past, there is a legend that the Sith encountered them, but were overcome by the Salvax. 
There is corroborating evidence for this, as ancient Sith artifacts have been found on Larator, but the details of their engagement with the native peoples are murky at best. The plains of the world were very fertile and are highly desirable as an agricultural colony for the Republic. The Salvaks were open to this, so long as humans did not interfere in their way of life. They ultimately settled on a treaty called the Settlement Pact. The agreement stated that humans were not allowed to encroach upon or even visit native villages. However, according to the pact, the Salvaks could visit the human settlements. This is where they traded, learned from, and built relationships with humans. Human-Salvac relations have remained amicable and peaceful for the vast majority of their history, with the small exception of a failed attempt to create a false flag attack, which was orchestrated by a Sith adept named Rhinala. Ultimately, the sabotage was a failure, and the two species continued to live in harmony with one another. Off. This species possesses a truly unique and bizarre anatomy. While not officially classified as insects, their vaguely insectoid appearance sets them apart. They have long gelatinous bodies with amorphous properties and propel themselves using small tendrils that double as legs. Additional tendrils function as sensory organs or feelers. All factory stalks resembling mushroom-like growths extend from their lower backs, providing them with an exceptional sense of smell for navigating their subterranean homes. The Aganoff lack a true head, but have jointed segments and large bony claws on each end of their body for hunting and defense. They are distinguished by segment length and their relation to other aspects of their elongated bodies. Their coloration is believed to be a dull tan, white or translucent, sometimes with darker spots. They can dwell in perpetual darkness, their skin appears pale. With lengths ranging from 1.3 to 3.5 meters, their bodies consist of four to six segments, with the front and back segments featuring claws and middle sections adorned with wrinkled flaps. These flaps can resemble animalistic fins or petals. Each flap conceals a mouth that emits intense heat, contrasting with their overall cold bodies. Small heat pockets attract and capture prey, which is then consumed by their numerous tentacles. While the Eganoff possess the senses of touch, taste, and smell, they are blind and deaf. They communicate through vibrations, pheromones, and odors. Although they are solitary beings, they are hermaphroditic, and can lay fully fertilized eggs without a mate. Their reproductive organs and egg-laying location remain mysterious. Despite their limitations, they display intelligence and spend their time contemplating and developing personal philosophies. The Aganoff are unable to develop technology due to their lack of proper limbs, but they appear to be in the midst of, of an evolutionary process. 
They have an immunity to many infections and diseases and are omnivorous, feeding on small insects, animals, and local plant life. They live on Curus III, alongside other sentient species, if not primitive species, but their isolated nature prevents that formation of communities, societies, and governments, economies, or religions. Their lifespan is unknown, but likely longer than average. They are a peculiar invertebrate with a unique anatomy, possessing extraordinary senses, communicating in unconventional manners, and have developed a complex worldview and cognitive reasoning. Despite their limitations, they thrive in their subterranean environment and coexist with other species on Curus III, living solitary lives and feeding on a diverse diet. Their mysterious nature and philosophical inclinations set them apart from other sentient beings in the galaxy. The Tark. Found deep in the arid deserts of Hijaf, the Tark are yet another sentient crustacean who have achieved a complex society. Unlike other creatures in their phylum, they do not require access to water and can go for weeks without hydration as they have adapted over many thousands of generations to the desert. They have six limbs yet are bipedal, with two arms which bear three-digit hands, and two lower arms that have large and dangerous pinchers, making them unwieldy foes in hand-to-hand combat. Not unlike other sentient crustaceans like the Salvax, they wear a chitinous exoskeleton, which provides excellent protection against attack and has the added benefit of regulating their internal body temperature. The Tark are primarily, if not exclusively, carnivorous, and never develop the lips, teeth, or tongues, instead using the hollow spikes inside of their mouths which inject their food with a semi-acidic saliva, which breaks down raw meat and then absorbs the nutrients, negating the need for a stomach. They stood roughly the average height of a human male, but along with the superhuman strength, they are also very agile. Tark society was advanced and spacefaring, though they were extremely isolationist, rarely venturing beyond the borders of the Hijaf system. They almost never interacted with the wider galaxy, and because of their physiology, they lacked a tongue and lips, they were incapable of speaking galactic basic, and most other languages, making it difficult to build deep economic ties with other civilizations. The dialect they spoke amongst themselves consisted of a series of clicks and clacks they made with their mouth. Hijaf was the only planet that carried a sentient life in the system and was the center of their society. But they did colonize other planets and moons, mostly for the purpose of resource extraction. What little interaction there was with the outside galaxy, they were perceived as cold and emotionless. But this perception was perhaps a misnomer, as the Tark viewed emotion as something sacred 
and should only be shown to one's closest confidants. The political system of the species was something of like a constitutional monarchy, with the supreme leader, or Kedek as they were called, at the head, and a council of three continental leaders, subservient to the Kedek. These three leaders represented the three main continents of Hijaf, and they had the obligation to overthrow the Kedek with their personal armies should he ever violate the constitution. It was very hierarchical, where an individual's place in society was more or less set in stone. The Tark are highly xenophobic and forbade interactions with outsiders, viewing the protection of their society and culture paramount above all else. They were not imperialistic in the slightest, however, choosing to keep their borders constrained to the hijaf system. Though others viewed them with suspicion and fear because of how they fought their wars, as they often employed a scorched earth policy, showing no mercy. Wars were rare though, choosing only to engage if they deemed it absolutely necessary and would seek to avoid it if they could. But when they did to decide to go to war, they were extremely unforgiving and ruthless. The Tark Navy, which was called the Ivlakav Gorn, was very well organized and armed and would destroy any vessel that entered their space without hesitation had they not been given permission to enter making this region of space a no-go zone for galactic trade. During the reign of the Galactic Empire, this led to a number of violent skirmishes between the Tark and the Empire, with the Tark winning all of their battles. As it was a somewhat inconsequential region of space, the Empire never put enough resources and effort into conquering them prior to its demise though they may have had they won the civil war against the Rebel Alliance. Very few interactions with the species ever occurred, though on very rare occasion, one will run into an outlawed or excommunicated Tark who illegally fled their home system. In the outside, they often work for organized crime as bounty hunters, bodyguards, and assassins. The Ira are a species of sentient cephalopods. They have round bodies with multiple tentacles that extend from a central section, which houses a large mouth underneath. The rubbery skin can change color to blend with the environment and aid in communication. The skin acts as a respiratory organ, functional in both air and water, as long as it remains moist. Ira have at least four tentacles, each equipped with the suction cups for manipulation. They also have eye stalks that can swivel, allowing them to concentrate multiple eyes in a specific direction. With a diameter ranging from 1 to 2 meters, they are comfortable at great depths and can withstand water pressures. Internally, 
Ira have multiple hearts and lack an internal skeletal system. Their flexible bodies allow them to contract and to swim swiftly underwater, but they are limited in mobility on land. They are endothermic organisms capable of withstanding the chilling waters of their underwater habitat. Reproduction occurs sexually, with males inserting a specialized mating tentacle into females to fertilize eggs internally. Young Ira are born with four tentacles and grow additional limb-eye pairs throughout their lives. The Ira prioritize class and status, with the number of tentacles determining an individual's position in their caste system. They have a tendency for arrogance and tend to prefer the company of their own species. Social disputes within the same caste are often resolved throughout discussion or duels, where losing a tentacle reduces status. The Ira have advanced technology and inhabit large underwater cities. They excel in production of corrosion-resistant alloys and have experience in hydraulics, magnetism, and fusion-based technologies. They have also developed spacecraft designed for aquatic beings and utilize an atmosphere thick with water vapor to breathe in space. Their native language has spoken and written forms, and they can learn to speak basic. The Ira evolved on the aquatic world of Fatral, where they developed their tentacle-based caste system and advanced societies. They became part of the galactic community, with their planet falling within Hut space and later the Hut dependencies. While widespread in the galaxy, the Ira face discrimination due to their abrasive personalities. They prefer water worlds or low-gravity environments. Many Ira work as traders or starship rights. Notable Ira individuals include Tem Ellis, an academic and sentientologist known for his anti-imperial stance. Despite attempts to silence him, Ellis wrote the University of Sandbra Guide to Intelligent Life, which detailed various sentient species. He went into hiding, but continued to update the guide, eventually resurfacing after the fall of the Empire. The Ira and their culture play a role in the galaxy, contributing to the diversity of sentient species. Parwans were an intelligent species that originated from the planet Parwa. They possessed a slender and towering physical form, characterized by their arms terminating in hands with three fingers. Additionally, they had four dangling appendages on their own bodies. Their heads were reminiscent of mushrooms and featured a total of three eyes. One of the most distinctive aspects of Parwan physiology was their gas-filled body, which allowed them to effortlessly navigate through the air. They could anchor themselves to the ground using their tentacles and arms. In addition to their unique composition, the species emitted a powerful electronic field that cracked with energy generated within their bodies. This natural ability endowed them with a remarkable tolerance for electric currents and various fluids, albeit with variations based on their individual blood types. 
During the Clone Wars, a Parwan bounty hunter named Daron was active and famous for his skills. He participated in a renowned competition called The Box, which took place within an arena. To gain an advantage, Daron utilized a specialized serum that enabled him to pass through ray shields. Interestingly, this serum had a toxic effect on other species, adding to Daron's own strategic prowess. The Paron's extraordinary abilities and unique physical attributes made them a remarkable species in the galaxy. Their gas-filled bodies and proficiency in electrical fields set them apart. While individuals like Daron demonstrated their exceptional talents in the field of bounty hunting during a time of conflict and upheaval. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. Thanks for flying with us. Jordan here. Just wanted to let everyone know what's happening here at the Star Lords podcast. Star Lords is now on Discord. If you would like to join the Star Lords Cantina Discord server, you can find a link in the description or on any of our social media accounts. Reach out with a DM or email. We'd love to hear from you. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching the Star Lords podcast. Go ahead and give our page a like and send us a message. You can also email at starlorespodcast at gmail.com. 
Send us your fan art, Star Wars collections, or fan fictions, and you may even get a feature on one of our pages or even the show. Don't be afraid to offer corrections or add to any of the topics that we discuss on the show. We are also on Patreon, so if you want to help us pay the bills, as well as get a few awesome perks like bonus episodes, access to the private Facebook group, or the VIP section of the Discord server, head on over to patreon.com forward slash starlores and sign up for as little as one US dollar a month. And finally, make sure to subscribe to us on your favorite podcatcher app or YouTube, as well as sending us a five-star review on iTunes. This really helps us reach a wider audience. Enjoy the rest of the show. Welcome aboard the Millennial Falcon. This is Jordan. And this is Christian. And uh, we are here on a safari on the planet of Lerator, uh, just observing the native population, the Salvaks, and their native habitat. We have to be very quiet and channel our inner Attenborough. Yeah, they don't like it when we get too close. <laughs> Anyways, uh, today we are talking about sentient invertebrates. So before we get into anything, let's just talk about our definitions here. Because <laughs> it's a little tricky trying to figure out what species to include and not to include. So some of my heuristics were, I figured, um, uh, so first of all, with insectoids, I was reading on Wikipedia, there was a section that said they're not considered to be part of the invertebrate category category yeah. uh which here in our world they, they are, are yeah invertebrates um so that was a little confusing uh but also there's there's plenty of um insectoid uh uh like species that are sentient that they could warrant their own episode so for that reason alone i just decided to exclude them yeah because we could discuss them entirely on a different episode um, not the least of which is like the Killix and um, what was uh, what was some other ones like the Geonosians. Yeah, like an and some of them it's kind of weird because they might be insectoid and they may or may not have spines. It's without getting our hands right. on a body <laughs> and actually cutting them open ourselves, they look like they might have a spine right. externally. So, but so so this is also the the other thing is like the the Tark, for instance, are bipedal, um, um which. That's typically uh, associated with associated those. with something with a spine, but it's also a crustacean. Mm-hmm. And as far as we know here on Earth, there's no crustaceans with spines. Yeah. So uh, that's why I'm saying it's a little tricky. Um, people can debate us on that. Also, I did want to say I was trying to. We're like, we're like trying to like confine this category. So we're trying to strictly define it. So if I did, I may have missed a species or two. Um, if if uh, anyone wants to bring it up in the comments or send us a DM, you can let us know. If All we about did. your favorite. Uh, yeah, but specifically, it has to be sentient and an invertebrate, so, and not in an insectoid or like one of the yeah, not obvious an insectoid. Ones. And uh, we were also just Christian and I were also discussing cephalopods. Yeah, because there are also definitely cephalopods who are vertebrates in the Star in Star Wars, <laughs> but in as not far as the, <laughs> not in real life. Yeah. So 
But sentient cephalopods could also get their own episode. Yeah, so so stay tuned for that. (laughs) So if we miss like a cephalopod race, just just wait. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) your time Um, is coming. Yeah, exactly. Uh, So anyways, just get all that out of the... Also something about plant plant-based species oh yeah yeah. there's also um a number of sentient botanical species yeah uh which again could be another interesting episode which i'd like to dive into and i guess that would be an invertebrate as well (laughs) yeah right they don't they don't have a spine (laughs) they don't have a spine or they might because again it's star wars and they may have a spine and we just don't know yeah the rules may be different here so yeah so bear with us if you're a biologist we're doing our best with the tools are given yeah we're i'm trying to stick within like sort of a defined category but it is a little difficult and tricky actually even to be fair even in like the real world like biology there is it's not always clean cut either yeah Yeah. there's a lot of species that are kind of straddle the lines of worlds yeah exactly enter the platypus (laughs) yeah (laughs) um before you move on from that real quick on botanical species just remind me in the future when we get to that episode. Are you a vegetarian if you kill and eat <laughs> a sentient botanical that's right. creature? Okay, that's yeah. all. We'll revisit that question in the future. Yeah, what are the ethics of eating plants? <laughs> Do they feel pain? <laughs> Do they scream? Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. Okay, okay. So um, one of the first ones we discussed here was midichlorians, a much debated topic. Uh, yeah, we've even touched on it. I can't remember if it was in a microbiology episode. Yeah, I think we've talked about Or a about force it. episode, but yeah. We, we've definitely talked about them before. Um, I thought they were, it's worth bringing them up again. They're like, they are pretty They are classified as, yeah. Yeah, and they are like, um, uh, I guess, uh, a sentient being. So yeah. I did want to include them. Um, also interesting sort of back story with midichlorians is from what I was reading is actually for them to be like this, this scientific explanation of the force yeah. midichlorians was actually always George Lucas's plans. And he just didn't really have time to have like a good explanation of it in the original films. Yeah. So he sort of like waited on it. He, yeah, he resorted. He resorted more to like the mystical explanation of the force rather than like the science, scientific biological explanation. Right. And so that's a lot of the reason why it didn't come until the prequel trilogy was it was always what he wanted to do. But a lot of people wanted him to go back to, to the mystical, yeah, yeah, to that more, uh, um, I don't know, esoteric explanation, explanation of yeah. the force, and then this like materialist explanation. And now we've spawned two <laughs> philosophies yeah. in uh, reality. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> pro and anti metachlorianists. Yeah, <laughs> um, and obviously metachlorians are are pretty controversial even to this day. I think. Um, yeah, there's a. I think actually, I think the consensus is most people aren't a big fan. Begrudgingly acceptance, I yeah, think, is, the, <laughs> is what it's kind of, and they've they've muckied it up a bit enough that people like it's not really well defined as to, you know, it's not a hard and fast rule measuring power levels or the number of metachlorians you have. They're very right. loose rules around that, so it yeah, and, gives them an exit too. And so that's kind of the also kind of silly, maybe a cop out a little bit, like. Like from what I was reading, it's like um, 
you know, metachlorians are super important. Like ha- your metachlorian count is super uh, relevant to how powerful you are. Powerful yeah. you are in the force. Uh, but you, it also doesn't really matter how yeah. many metachlorians <laughs> you actually have. You can be super powerful in the force anyway. Yeah. So it's just like it seems like there's some flip flopping in the in the writing. Uh, there isn't like a they haven't agreed upon yeah. what so metachlorians are and what they do. Yeah. So, um, a lot of these species, uh, actually, which was kind of interesting and I think is cool, especially with like the Salvax and the Tark, is um, they're actually like made in for role playing games, hmm. uh, and that's where they're these species were started, and. In the like role playing books, uh, I on I found a couple of them on archive.org and I was flipping through it and it actually has like a pretty sweet backstory. And like uh it's like the perfect template for um if you wanted to do like some fan lore, like you wanted to write some of your own stuff, because most of them are separated enough from like the wider galaxy that they don't interfere with the main storylines. Right. Um and then but they also have like their own culture, their own um, uh, uh, biology and physiology, and it's. And I think it's actually like pretty sweet, and like a lot of people could could kind of run with these. I especially like the Tark. Uh, they're kind of a, a, a very. It seems like it's like a very well developed society. Yeah, that is like kind of distinct enough from the rest of. Uh, um, galactic society you know what i mean and but they're still they're also like civilized and intelligent yeah um another big thing is uh i didn't include the huts uh now we've already had a jab of the hut episode which we dive into like a lot of the uh the hut species so you can just it's uh episode 22 I think we've d- delved into the huts a couple other times. Yeah. Um, again, another thing we could do an entire episode just on, on the hut species. Yeah. yeah. So obviously, like, really, the huts are the, in terms of sentient invertebrates, they have the most material, bar none, right? Yeah. Like that. That's like the. But I again, it just yeah. We're just acknowledging that yes, they fit in this category. No, we didn't talk about them yeah. specifically. I wanted to talk about more of the smaller niche stuff that we don't really hear about. Like, yeah. uh, we'll have plenty of time to delve into huts. Yeah. Like, so just just uh, throwing that out there. So, um, and what was this other? Uh, there's also this other important the Jaffa, the Jaffa, yeah. um, a cephalopod. But it's unclear whether they're invertebrates <laughs> or not. <laughs> yeah, um, they're described as like, and even there's pictures of it. Um, comes from one of the Star Wars comic books, um, and they are categorized as cephalopods, um, and they look pretty much like an octopus. Um, but they, again, the category of cephalopod broadly doesn't necessarily specify whether or not you have a spine. Um, now the Jaffa themselves don't appear to have a spine. They very much look like just an octopus transposed into the Star Wars galaxy. Yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah. Yeah. It's always tough to do like these sort of categories again, going back to this, like, cause we could also do, um, like, uh species that only have like water habitats you know yeah uh, we could and that could be uh, it just depends how you want to cut the cake that's yeah. right yeah so the 
we could do that and that would be a ton of different species obviously like the Athorians or the mon calamari or whatever yeah uh, there's like a lot of those species um when i can't remember if we did it was one of the review comic book episodes but uh skidget vrescott if that name is familiar to you or any of our listeners um he was the jeff at crime lord uh from one of the alan moore comics i forget which the title was i'm looking for it right now okay the dark lord's conscience I don't think I, maybe that was you and Sam. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so we did touch on this character in the past, just okay. to draw a little more, um, um, connections. Right, right. Yeah. And yeah. also there's a Jaffa Lady Dole, who is also in that comic book, so. Yeah. You see a couple of these octopus creatures that live, they live in these, like, orbs. Yeah. That keep them in their yeah. environment. So, uh, yeah. In terms of the Jaffa, the jury is still out whether or not they are invertebrates. <laughs> they very well could be, and I could have missed like a big one, but I thought I'd just mention them here so we don't get hate <laughs> at mail. least cover our bases. <laughs> yeah. And you know, they're they're a, they have enough content on them that we could almost maybe do an episode on them or throw them in with another. With maybe talking about those characters. Yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah, there's uh there's that um. Uh yeah, uh some invertebrates that kind of deserve an honorable mention, but there just wasn't enough material to warrant uh putting them in the episode even. Uh was a slug crab hybrid called the Tectosin. Um though they were very rare in the galaxy, they could use weapon and armors. Uh there's also this actually kind of I wish there was more material, this kind of cool worm. Um, there's actually a lot of worms in Star Wars, but yeah. uh, which all again would all be invertebrates, <laughs> yeah. maybe if yeah, they don't have spines. But very few of them are sentient, right? Like almost none of them are sentient. Uh, so, except for this E, uh, it's just two E's. That's how you. <laughs> that's how you spell the. Um, and they were telepathic, uh, and they're all there. They served basically as like miners for uh, metals and ore and stuff like that. That's mm. like kind of what they did, and. Uh, they had like a very bifurcated society where every single person was in like these five or six classes, but each of those classes had like a role in the industry of mining resources. So um, kind of an interesting little species, but again, that's just, all we know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's it. just like very little about them. So um, it was hard for me to, to, to bring up enough to actually write anything about them, but yeah. Yeah, I I thought I'd mention them anyway in in the back end here. But anyways, um Christian, anything else you wanted to say about sentient invertebrates? Um anything I missed? One that I'm kind of wondering about are the exogorths, which we've mentioned a few times. Okay. Um they're they, you know the giant space slugs. Um but are they they're not sentient, are they? No, they're not, but I'm just wondering with this whole, I'm, I'm like going through my head of all the different species and saying like, would they fall under the, I'm I'm hooked on the vertebrae and vertebrae category. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So just kind of a mind game I'm playing with myself, but yeah. Cause this was, this was the one in, uh, uh, episode five. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. The space slugs, which you would think they'd be sentient, but I don't think they are. Um, no. Yeah, but whole average lifespan, 30,000 years. That's wild. Well, if you're that big. Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. 
anyways um yeah i think that's it uh stay tuned for our non-sentient yeah, well, that'll be like an endless episode. Because <laughs> when you get into the non-sentient category, it just like it never ends. Um. Anyways, uh, I think that's about it. If anyone, again, if I was trying to wade through, there's a lot of species to. If you just go alphabetically, <laughs> it's hard, and you try and like narrow down your search a little bit, but still, it's it's hard. And then just trying to think of what I remember off the top of my head. Yeah, and there's always like one or two species like, oh, yeah, I remember reading about them somewhere. Yeah, like yeah. Um, so, again, bring it, up, bring it up and we'll mention it in another episode uh, if you have any species that we missed. Um, and on that note, you can always message us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Follow us there. You can also email us at uh, starlordspodcast at gmail com and if uh, anyone wants to support the show financially help us pay the bills help us keep going you can uh, go to uh, patreon.com forward slash star lores for three dollars a month you can become a patron and get access to exclusive content we're on discord um anything else beyond that i can't think of anything nope okay i think that's all the plugs that i wanted to do for today uh and yeah uh, reach out to us give us a five-star rating review on apple and itunes that's definitely helping our show continue to grow and we appreciate it peace <laughs>